Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome back to Planet Not Hoth in some unknown galaxy far, far away. Let's grab our spice parrots, our favorite books in the series, and put on your spacesuits and go on an adventure. Hey there, romance nerds! Welcome to another episode of Raging Romantics. I'm Jen. I'm Jackie. We are librarians at Northern Onondaga Public Library, and we are also romance nerds. Now, if you're wondering what this podcast is about, wait for it. Romance! Specifically, the romance genre of books. We are going to be talking about anything and everything having to do with romance, the genre, the tropes, anything and everything. So with that being said, sometimes our material will be a little too sensitive for younger readers. If you feel the need to wait until they go to bed, we will be here for you. We would also like to issue just a general trigger warning for some of the things that we do talk about. We will always try to issue specific trigger warnings for each episode so that you know what you're getting into. Now, without further ado, are you ready, Jen? Oh, I've been ready, Jackie. All right. Let's rage! Hey, Jackie. Yes? What did the alien say to Ruby Dixon? What? Take me to your reader. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make me laugh too hard because my mic is very precariously balanced. (laughs) so bad. I love it so much. Oh, that's such a bad joke. I love it. You can't tell me there aren't a lot of Ruby Dixon fans that wouldn't love that to happen in real life. I, I mean, I step up. I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> I am ready. <laughs> oh so, hi, God. Jackie. Hi, Jen. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy birthday. New Year. We made it. We did Let's make it. us cross our fingers for a really boring 2021. I am so tired of living in interesting times. Let's just, I just want to live in normal times. <laughs> I want to be bored out of my mind again. I miss that so much. Oh, we did officially make it to the new year without aliens invading, though. So, you know. I don't know if that's that good of a thing. Well, I mean, I if we were barbarians, I would totally be down. So. <laughs> or dragons. I mean. Eh, that ended yeah. up being kind of an apocalyptic world, though. Yeah. But maybe I mean, we're heading for people, I wouldn't mind being gone. So that's fine. They can get eaten first. All right, so yes, we are back with Ice Planet Barbarians, with our blue aliens, with Ruby Dixon, and if you haven't listened to the first episode yet, then definitely go back and do that because we explain a lot, like a lot. Consider that your primer. Yeah. Um, This is your wiki. (laughs) Uh, You go back (laughs) and listen to the wiki, the verbal wiki, because you're going to need it to understand what the heck we're talking about in this episode. We originally had said we were going to talk about both Ice Planet Barbarians and Ice Home, the two series that, like, Ice Home is a spinoff of Ice Planet, but because we have so much that we want to talk about, there's so much to talk about, we're just going to focus on Ice Planet Barbarians for this episode. Don't worry, we will revisit Not Hoth and Crotoan and Ice Home and the island in the future at some unspecified date. There's just way too much good stuff to talk about. 
There really is. And we love this so much that we just, yeah. we want to talk about. We have a lot to talk about. We have a lot of feelings. <laughs> but we're huge Ruby Dixon fans and we just can't keep it to one episode or one month. Oh, yes. Oh, but before we begin to, I do have a few corrections. I just wanted to like go back and correct <gasps> Jackie, myself. Jackie, is this your first correction? I know. This isn't the first <laughs> correction by any means. <laughs> Feels like the first official one. It's the first of me. Like there's a lot. I will say that. Um. I basically reread all, okay, I did reread all of Ice Planet Barbarians and all of Ice Home, so I picked up some factoids that I just want to correct myself on that, like, we didn't get correct last episode. So, first things first, Earth is a D-class planet, not a class D. Secondly, there are signs of native intelligent life on Ice Planet, um, beyond just, like, the Metlacks that we kind of mentioned in the first episode. When the tribe moves to their second location in Crotoan, we'll talk about that later on, hold tight, they find hieroglyphics and cave paintings of four-armed creatures, whom we later see in Ice Home, the spinoff series. If we have time, I will definitely share my theory of evolution at the end, because I am an anthropology nerd, and I'm a nerd, what can I say? That's, basically That's why we love our romance nerds. Yeah, there we go. All right, almost there. Uh, the plague quee sickness that went through prior to the start of the book occurred 15 years before the girls, or 15 seasons before the girls landed. So before Georgie's story kicks off. Um, I think I said eight, but no, it was 15. It was further back. Sorry about that. And finally, the three island groups who we aren't going to talk about in this episode, but we'll definitely talk about later on when we talk about Ice Home, are Tallhorn, who have the tall sweeping horns, Shadowcat, who <laughs> have excess body hair, <laughs> as well as fangs and talons, and they just kind of look more like cat-like. And then there's the strong arm clan, who has the four arms. So, sorry about that. Oh, and all of them can camouflage. Fun fact, Jen. <gasps> I love fun facts! Did you know the word camouflage wasn't a word until 1917? I guess that kind of makes sense. And the British called it dazzle painting. Love the Brits. Why did we get rid of that? That's so I much cooler than camouflage. I didn't actually type that in our notes, but it just like popped in my head. I was like, I need to share this factoid. Oh my god. Do you know how many dude bros would suddenly lose any interest in camouflage if it was called dazzle paints? Oh my god, seriously. Oh my god, we could say fashion. But make it fashion. Fashion. fashion <laughs> As Jonathan Van Ness would say, Yes, Queen. <laughs> Jonathan, we love you. That's all of our corrections for now. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are many more. I say a lot of things. I can't back them all up. So that's it. But let's dive in to some of the books we wanted to explicitly talk about. Oh, with yeah. Ice Planet Barbarians. There's and a lot. It was very hard to narrow. It was. <laughs> it was so hard. Yeah. Like Jen said, it was really hard to narrow down what books we actually wanted to talk about because we fangirl a lot over this series yeah. in case you couldn't tell. There's really only one or two books that I was kind of lukewarm about. Mm. out of the full series same like there was the one that we'll kind of talk about at the end (laughs) in an honorable mention that i was like why i don't like this one Mm -hmm. so whatever but we did narrow it down to four books that we like really want to do a critical think about because they talk about some heavy things that are really important i think especially in the romance universe to talk about and then we'll have our honorable mentions that we really just like want to mention just because we love you so much because yeah we nerd out hardcore first things first 
I wanted to go back and talk a little bit more about Georgie and Vectal uh, in the do. first book, Ice Plane of Barbarians. So we started diving into their story in the last episode just to kind of give you guys an idea of what the universe looked like. But I really wanted to talk even more about the Dubcon situation. So before yeah. we even begin our entire conversation, we need to trigger warning you very hard because mm -hmm. this whole discussion is not going to be fun. Um, we're going to be talking about Dubcon. I mean, it might be a little fun. We're going to be talking about rape. <laughs> yeah, that part's not fun. Never mind. Um, I take it back. We're going to end it on a fun note, though. So yeah, it'll be good. I have another yeah. funny joke. Okay, good. Yeah, we've got that to look forward to. It's going to be really bad. It's going to be so bad, you guys. So hang in there for the bad joke. Most excellent. Okay. <laughs> Ice Planet Barbarians with Georgie and Vectal. We talked about how this is the first book in the series. Georgie is abducted from her home. They crash land on mm -hmm. Not Hawk, which is a frozen ice planet. Georgie takes on the leadership role and goes out to try to find help. She ends up getting smacked in the head by Vectal, who kidnaps her. And she wakes up to him going down on her. Um, and this is something for it being the first book and for it being within like the first, maybe like 32 pages of the first it's book. A it's a lot. It's a it really lot for a lot. lot of readers. Mm -hmm. We assigned this for our January book club discussion. And in our email, Jen and I were like, we know it sucks. Just bear with it. Just it gets get better. Through, like the first five chapters. Yes. And Ruby Dixon, in her intro to it, she specifically talks about how 2016 Ruby Dixon envisioned this as a darker romance series, as it wow. being a lot more gritty, a lot mm. more serious. And so that was why she opened up with them being kidnapped, with other characters being raped, and we'll talk about them later on, and as well as the dubcon scene between Vectal and Georgie. Mm -hmm. And she never really explicitly says why she ventured off the path and made it into a series that now is like one of the most loved i will say it most loved kindle unlimited series yeah. out there at least the most like popular alien series i think yeah oh definitely definitely one of the higher sci-fis but jen and i were trying to figure out earlier why she would have veered off from making it a darker series and when we say darker we mean like a lot more of the dubcon, a lot more yeah. of like the heavy things. And while she does sprinkle those in throughout, like Salt Bay, mm -hmm. um, she, for the most part, I would say it's about 70, 30, 70% being like the lighter stuff yeah. or talking about like characters with anxiety versus the darker stuff. Yeah, I think she made a really smart choice when she focused the really serious stuff on more of like these internal conflicts as mm -hmm. opposed to like really dark actions taken against the characters agreed yeah so i think that was really smart of her yeah i admire her honestly for putting in a dubcon scene at the very beginning i didn't read the first book <laughs> when i read the series for the first time i think i read book number three first mm -hmm. and so i kind of knew going in that there was going to be some stuff that wasn't necessarily good because um in book three it's kira and ayako Mm -hmm. So they talk about like um, the aliens put a translator into Kira's ear and like it was it was a bad situation. So like, I kind of were not going in. There's yeah, I knew that there was going to be darker stuff. So by the time I got to reading Ice Planet Barbarians, I was like, oh, okay, it's just another thing. It didn't really flip my wire, if that makes sense. Is that a mm -hmm. phrase? I don't know. Sure, we'll make yeah, it. It makes sense. 
You guys know what I'm talking it's about. It's our new space pirates. Yeah, spice parrots. Is that it? <laughs> I'm gonna get you like a spice parrot stuffy or something. <laughs> With a belated actually. birthday present. <laughs> but I do think that Dubcon dubious consent is very important to talk about in the romance sphere because a lot of the times readers will point to scenes like in Ice Planet Barbarians, the book with Georgie and Vectal, and they'll point to it and say, this is not what romance is. This sucks. This is bad for people to read Mm -hmm. because of rape culture. Yeah. So this isn't going to be a light discussion for the next minute or so. So bear with me for a minute. We have to have this discussion because I don't know what I'm trying to say, Jen. Yeah, I don't either. Where are you going? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. Thinking more about the Georgie Vectel scene and about the forced Mm -hmm. oral. When I was going through some of the stories reported in Me Too, I was surprised that like the Harvey Weinsteins, um, Nick Carter was actually accused of this. A couple others were accused of like going down without permission on their victims. Mm. And I thought that was kind of, I don't want to say interesting, but I was really surprised by that. Because usually when you think of rape, you think of them taking all of the pleasure for themselves. And it's like a very powerful, controlling thing. So for them to like hold a woman down and perform oral sex on her, I was kind of like, I don't know what the point of that is. Is it like they're trying to like trick you into wanting it? Is it to make themselves feel better of like, oh, like I'm doing this to you, for you? I think it's genuinely just like the predator situation, the gaslight situation where yeah. they want you to make you think that you want this. Mm-hmm. They want you to make you think that this is enjoyable where you're still saying no in your brain. Exactly. And that was something that I did want to touch on. The reason I think why Dubcon is generally presented and accepted in Ice Planet Barbarians, we see other situations of this where like they kidnap someone to force residence or an yeah. ice home, they do drug some of the ladies Mm -hmm. it's not the best moment (laughs) but i think it's genuinely accepted because i genuinely believe that if georgie had said no in that instance vectal would have immediately stopped and not touched her until she said yes so this was more what i genuinely believe this was more a sense of um communication or a lack of communication as opposed to him in wanting to insert his will his dominance wanting to um have his own way and she still had the ability to say no, and he would have respected that. Okay. I think that's why this scene works as it does. I mean, to be honest, I I was dumb when I first read this, and I didn't even clock it as something that could be yeah. problematic. I think it wasn't until some of the Me Too stuff came out, and I started thinking more critically that I was like, I think too, because we did be a read a lot of older romances. Yeah, and this happens a lot of older and they were bad. <laughs> oh, God. I don't want to go back to Flame in the so Flower. Bad. If I can ch- compare this to Flame in the Flower, this is a gazillion times better. But it's still it's not a, without its flaws. It's a beast of a different breed. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different species. Mm-hmm. But one thing I was thinking of as you were talking about that, I can't think of the book. I bought the book. I'm going to talk about the book. But I read this great thing in a book once about sometimes when women want to read these dubcon or these rape scenes, they want to, this author had this theory that you were having this really dangerous situation, but with somebody you could trust mm. was a thing. So in the real world, I'm probably going to get murdered with Vectal, right? <laughs> yeah. But in romance, like he genuinely cares about me and is obsessed with me and is like, 
it's like the the affectionate sign of of danger i don't know if that makes sense it's like a different line where in real life i'd get murdered but here i'm just gonna be the guy's wife exactly it's the same reason why this story is believable as it is if it is believable because (laughs) it's sci-fi it's fiction it's not real life yeah and this is a safer avenue we talked about this i don't know if we actually talked about this in a podcast episode but back when we were on youtube we talked about this Mm -hmm. um about how romance is a safe way to explore yourself and your desires and your no's and your yeses and what's a hard no for you oh yeah and and if this is a hard no that's perfectly fine this book is not for you maybe the series isn't for you Mm -hmm. that's totally okay but it's it's a safe way to explore things yeah i like thinking of it as in horror i mean you don't actually Mm -hmm. want to get murdered by jason but it's kind of a safe way to have that emotional rush and intensity and it is a very dramatic intense thing and the the relief and the rush you get after it's over it can be a little bit like a mental roller coaster yeah, I'm having a mental roller coaster right now trying to reconcile my, my real life opinions with like my romance book opinions. Yeah, I think that's what it is too. I I if there's stuff that is just acceptable in romance, not acceptable, but is passable in romance that in real life, yeah, I'd be screaming for his head. And we're going to do a dark romance series here in a couple months where we start talking about like the darker side of romance and try to figure out what we think because i haven't read dark romance in a very long time so it's going to be interesting to revisit these i'm very specific about my dark romance i do love a dark (laughs) romance but the guy has to be nice to her all right well on that note on that note let's uh let's move on to not lighter discussions but easier discussions (laughs) oh yeah because barbarian's prize is so light right yeah, but Saluk is better. Okay. Oh, so, Saluk is sweet. I love Saluk. Oh, I love Saluk. I think he's one of my favorites. Okay, so Barbarian's Prize is book number five. Ooh, that kind of rhymes. Ooh. It's book number five in Ice Planet Barbarian series. And our hero is Saluk, who is, again, a Sakwi male. All these are Sakwi males. We know yeah. those by now. And Tiffany, who is our first African-American woman. Our first woman of color in yeah. the whole universe. Mm-hmm. So, but what I really liked about this too, just to kind of veer off subject for a minute, is that Ruby Dixon doesn't make a big deal about her being a person of color. Yeah. Except for the fact that Saluk really loves her hair. Yeah. <laughs> like, he loves how, like, coily and springy it is. And he's mm-hmm. like, I just want to sink my fingers into it and yeah. feel how it feels. I was like, yeah, fair enough. Okay. So, major trigger warning with this one is that we're going to have a discussion about rape because Tiffany was unfortunately disastrously she was raped by the bad aliens when she was kidnapped because she made a noise on the spaceship and she was singled out for that and she is understandably completely traumatized Mm -hmm. from this experience it doesn't help that uh she ends up getting really pursued pursued hard by all the other aliens that's right i forgot about that so she's one of the last um human females to resonate Mm-hmm. Um, from the first group that lands it's just her and josie after yeah and josie we'll talk about her in a minute um mm-hmm. but so tiffany she is pursued she's courted by all of the non-resonated males and she's pursued and it's like a hard pursuit they don't ever cross lines they don't ever like take advantage or anything mm-hmm. like that but it's like they make their 
desires known and they really kind of bother her <laughs> i do love this this group for really not understanding what rape or violence against women is but they're so desperate for a companion for children there's it's got to be hard to have the hope of oh maybe i will have a wife i'll have a family and now we're down to two women and you're not resonating and that's got to be stressful but definitely mm. the wrong kind of vibe to give a, a woman who suffered a recent rape. Yeah, and they didn't know that, that yeah. she had gone through this. And also they didn't understand that, that she had gone through yeah, this. Yeah, it took them a minute. <laughs> yeah. And so Saluk is our hero. He is, I don't know how to describe Saluk. He's not brooding, but he's kind of like this quiet, it's very watchful. calm, watchful mm-hmm. He's perfect. I love him. I really do. <laughs> so Luke, I think, is one of my favorites. He has a couple brothers, and he knows that he loves Tiffany. Like, he is attracted to her from the get-go. They don't resonate. And this is also one of the first instances where they don't resonate right away. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. The other – no, no. Kara and I and – Ayako? And Ayako. Oh, Kara yeah, and Ayako. Right, because right, there's okay. that whole thing of, like, oh, well, I'll just be your, pre- your pleasure mate because I still really love you. Right. Okay, that's right. Okay, so I take that back. They were not the first ones to not resonate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Tiffany is the first one to really have this kind of like internal trauma going on that's the thing that's keeping her from resonating. And this sets up the whole discussion line with Ruby Dixon of the f- women have something, or even the males have something that they have to work through themselves mm-hmm. to be able to resonate and to be able to fall in love, pretty much. Yeah. Which is, I think that's the trope line that I love the most in Ice Planet Barbarians and Ice Home, mm-hmm. outside of, like, the physical disability one. It's, like, extreme hurt and comfort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so Tiffany, she knows she's going to resonate eventually. And she's really, she's worried about this because of how she was treated on the ship. She doesn't obviously want people to touch her. She doesn't want intimacy. She's mm-hmm. scared of intimacy. And, of course, everyone deals with trauma differently. This is how Tiffany is just dealing with trauma. So because Saluk is so friendly and so kind to her and such a good friend, she approaches him and asks him for help so that she's ready when it comes to actually start resonating. And so it's this really cute, comforting, just happy – okay, not Mm -hmm. happy exactly, but like – sequence of they go out to this hunter's cave every single day to like work through what she has and they try to start off by kissing and she has a panic attack from that and so he's like okay okay what if i just can i hug you can we just cuddle for Mm -hmm. a while and i'm like oh my god cuddling okay (laughs) i did really appreciate that for days yeah i loved how slow he was with her i think his initial advice of like you just have to be strong and work through your fears. I was a little like, eh, I don't know if a therapist would say that, but okay, you're not a therapist. Right, but I think after that, where he was like asking her permission to touch her. Yes. I really liked and- that. And he was very considerate of, of what she wanted and what she needed, even though he was so desperate for her to love him back. And he was, he performed a lot of emotional labor. Mm-hmm. And he was also so scared that she was going to resonate to somebody else. Yeah. He was like, even if she does resonate to somebody else, that's okay because I'll have been here for her in like her most right now. Her, mm-hmm. in her darkest time and I'll have mm-hmm. been there for her and helped her with this. And I was like, oh my God, Luke, stop. You're breaking this, my heart. It's not nearly as important as that, but I do also really appreciate that he was the first one to give her a pet. This is oh like my gosh, yeah. Pet with Chompy. Yeah. 
and that didn't work out. So he gives her a divisty, <laughs> which is kind of described as like a llama meets a pony, yeah. <laughs> which I want one so bad. Um, and he gives her this little injured divisty foal baby. I'll call it a foal because I'm a horse person. Mm-hmm. And she like tries to raise it, but it ends up like bonding with Farley, who's yeah. one of the Masaka females. <laughs> so Tiffany's like, that's fine. You can keep him. He bites anyways. <laughs> So it is really cute that they like have all this stuff that they go through together. And also it gets really steamy. Oh <laughs> yeah. Does. Eventually so, when she gets more comfortable. Yeah. When they get more comfortable, he's like, well, how can we keep working through this? Because you're not comfortable enough for me to touch you yet. What if you touch yourself while I watch and then Ooh. I will do the same. And she goes, oh, what? And it, it gets very spicy from there. Can you imagine real therapy is this? There is real therapy like this. <laughs> Wait, really? This is a thing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Good to know. Not like the creepy, like when they invented the vibrator, like not in that situation. Oh, yeah, like no, 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 no. Modern therapy. There are some therapists who oh. like specialize in in sexual trauma and in working through sexual trauma. And sometimes they even have specialties in like masturbate to work through this. Or, wow. Yeah. Or sometimes they'll even have couples therapy where they help yeah. the couple have sex. So it's a thing, and a lot of people say that it works. So if you're well, listening to this and that sounds like something that you need to work through, then definitely go do some research. Yeah, Raging Romantics loves therapy. Yeah. All kinds. Yeah. <laughs> need therapy. Need a lot of therapy. Go get your mental health looked at. This is an important one to talk about because of the fact that it talks about more consent. Mm-hmm. and working through trauma in romance and yeah. it shows how good a romance hero can be i think and he was pretty great he was i love him so much in case great. you couldn't tell so do you feel like with this book this kind of is the ending of like the darker spin ruby dixon had wanted to put on the series <sighs> i think like so. less kidnappings after this less forced uh, resonance except with um you know other people Oh, I see what you're doing. You're looking at my notes. (laughs) Thank you for putting that out there for me. Yes, I do think this represents a change in or like a shift in the series from those instantaneous resonances. Yeah. Resonating, resonate. Which makes sense in the beginning, right? Because at this point, there is babies. People are pregnant. I think the cooties can calm down a little bit and they don't have to force Tiffany into something that she's so mentally unprepared for. Right. And it also represents there's less forcing of resonance yeah. <laughs> until we get to Ice Home. In Ice Home, there's a lot that happens, but we have new aliens come in. So I guess we yeah. can understand Yeah. And I think it. that makes sense, too, because they're suddenly exposed to this huge group of people. They were in a similar, similar situation where they didn't have a lot of females. And now they're suddenly confronted with a big group of females. It makes a lot of sense with the cooties and how they react and being like, okay, we can calm down a little bit. The, the species is a little more secure. So you guys can emotionally, mentally come to terms with it, especially with someone like Tiffany, who I think if she had resonated instantly like some of the others i think she would have broken down i don't think she could have handled it Mm. so it's interesting to think of the cootie being that connected to their emotional and mental well-being to be like okay i could force you to want a baby right now but then i do think it'll turn you into some kind of wreck yeah no it's a good it's a good shift it's also interesting because this is when readers started doing like mental math and they're like (laughs) wait there's only now there's only one unmated female left and mm. we know as soon as her IUD falls out, she's going to resonate. And mm. so, but there are like six males left. 
Ruby Dixon, what are you going to do with them? And Ruby's like, don't worry, guys. We got it. Just wait. I got this. (laughs) So with that being said, let's move on to Barbarian's Mate. Which is one of my favorite ones with Josie and Hayden. Hayden was kind of this big giant grump. And he had a very good reason to be. He Mm -hmm. was previously mated before the plague happened. But his residence mate denied him because he was older. She'd already had a pleasure mate. So I think that's, yeah, I think that's interesting that the group still had this kind of emotional drama. It wasn't all, oh, I've got my mate. Like, it's interesting to me that that was a thing at the time. And she ended up dying. Yeah. Hayden got sick. So he ended up with a totally new cootie. And he was kind of just left alone, all grumpy and sad and feels wrong and like an outcast. And (sighs) he's just like a big grumpy bear. I loved him. I I love love a grump. I did like Hayden. And then, of course, he meets Josie. Oh. Yeah. So she is the last (laughs) unmated female from the original, no, the word original, crash landing. Mm -hmm. And she has an IUD. Okay. So funny story. My dad mixed up IUD and IED. (laughs) (laughs) Carry on about Josie. She has an IUD. I actually like Josie. I know a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't because she is somebody that talks a lot. She has a lot of opinions. She was not treated well as a child uh, in terms of her tragic backstory. She was in foster care. She very much always felt unwanted. So I think Mm -hmm. at a certain point, she and Hayden connect over that. But Mm -hmm. she was really wanting uh, to have like a big family. She wanted somebody to love her. She wanted to feel connected and wanted after being abandoned by her family and just tossed around all these foster centers. So when her IUD finally finds out at the end of the fifth book, She's super excited because she's like, oh boy, I finally get to have a mate. I get to have a family. I get to have a love. And it ends up being Hayden who's resenting. That's <laughs> not resenting. I also just, <laughs> and- just want to say, technically, scientifically, it is very, very rare for an IUD to fall that out. That is a good point. Thank you for the, it's, the check. It's not. I know. I was like, wait, can this actually happen? No, I think it's also not okay. medically safe. Yeah. What in your, I guess... I don't know if they, if Ruby Dixon ever explained it, if she glossed it over. doesn't really matter. I was fine with it falling out because I feel like we needed that yeah. visual representation of... Clink. Yeah, of Josie's story starting and of... Oh, also this is why... Yeah, this is why her cootie's finally working. She, it, like, wiggled the little IUD out. It, like, yeah. opened up her cervix. I feel like probably it would have been a lot more painful than it just, like... I don't know. I don't want to think about that. Yeah, that's fair. I know. Out. God, please no. <laughs> okay. But, but yeah, so after they resonate, they deny resonance. Mm-hmm. Because for some reason, they think they hate each other. And this is the first time where we actually see what denying resonance does to someone. Oh, and it makes them a little crazy. A little bit. A little bit. They get very sick. They feel bad. They get very tired. It gets to the point where Hayden is really scared for Josie because she is refusing residence with him. It's like his worst nightmare all over again. So they finally decide to go back to the mothership. And the Elder's Cave. The Elder's Cave. The original spaceship they, the original group crashed on and see if their medical device can't somehow fix Josie. And if they could just stop the residence. But the machine's out of order. Yep. <laughs> but luckily, Josie finds more pods with more women. So Well, so there's more to it than that. I know, but like... Back up. <laughs> what? 
Josie is so when the machine's out of order, Josie like runs off into the bowels of the ship and she finds a room and she like has a moment to herself and then Hayden comes in and checks on her and they do end up Barry Manilowing it on. Barry Manilow. Um, yeah. Oh. You don't know. I can't yeah. sing that low. Are you sure um, that that's not Barry Manilow? I don't know. They you know what I'm talking about. Bow chicka anyway. wow wow. It's also not Barry Manilow. But so Hayden is still like, he's not being fully open with Josie and she's still upset about him. So she leaves and he gets stuck because he can't open the oh, door. Oh, I did forget that part. That is really funny. <laughs> so it's like she runs out and she's like, I'm going to, I can do this all on my own. I don't need no man. I don't need anybody. I'm an independent woman. Mm-hmm. And she goes on a walkabout and she ends up going to the ocean, the the Great Lake, Great Salt Lake, yeah. I think is what they talk, call it, what mm-hmm. the Sakui call it. And she thinks she sees something in the distance, which is not important until we get to, like, book 13. Yeah. So. We're not going to talk but about that. I anymore. love Ruby Dixon for planting these little seeds. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's something I picked up, too, like, binge reading all of Ice Planet and all of Ice Home. There's so many little things I picked up on mm-hmm. that are so great. Yeah, she's but very yeah, good at so, planning ahead. Yes, she really is. And she, like, sprinkles it in yeah. still. So as she's on her walkabout, she's starting to, I think, go back to the tribal caves or something. And she finds another crashed ship that is, like, thoroughly frozen over. And it has two more stasis pods in it. Yay! Yeah, so there's two more women, presumably. Spoiler alert, there are two more women. So thank you again to Ruby Dixon for giving more women for more stories. And while she is there, she's attacked by Metlax, which again are like the Yeti-like creatures. Mm-hmm. Hayden, however, has at this point managed to get out of the room and out of the ship. Finally. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> I think Harlow goes and lets him out. Harlow's one of the other <laughs> heroines. And she's like, are you okay? He's like, I could not get the rock to open. <laughs> it's like every caveman in a I giggled so hard with that one. Mm-hmm. But... um. And he goes off to track her and save her. And he ends up saving her from the Metlax. She's been injured, but he rescues her. He's the white knight riding in to save hey, her. not just that. She rescues him back. This is true. Yeah. With the fire. Oh, that's great. With the fire. Mm-hmm. And then she burns her hands really Yeah, bad. and then he it's more hurt comfort where he has to yes. take care of her in a cave. And he's really like, oh, my God, you came back for me. We can be together. You do. Like- and they start talking. Yeah. Finally. Finally. Some real communication eventually it still takes a minute (laughs) a lot of sex happens too yes exactly Mm -hmm. this was one of the things where like i think why i didn't love this book as much as i could have because there's such a lack of communication yeah it takes them a minute i think they're both very strong they both had things that really hurt them in their past and made them resistant to talking it out Mm -hmm. which is funny because josie loves talking i know but she doesn't really want to talk about her past so She's one of those people, though, that won't talk about the important things, though. So that's a good little bridge into talking about Josie versus Hayden <sighs> that Jen wanted to talk about. I, Jen, so, go for it. Thank you. So normally, I don't really read the reviews of Ruby Dixon's books. I'm kind of satisfied just knowing I really love it, that I can talk about it with Jackie and it's whatever. I did look start looking them over for this podcast, and I was really struck by how many reviewers hated Josie and that Josie's whole attitude and personality were why they hated this book the most, even though they had really been looking forward to Hayden's story. And it's interesting to me that she ended up getting such a bad rep 
for being really whiny, really mean, really uh, resistant to this whole thing that she should have just fallen into Hayden's arms right away. And I was kind of struck by that because I compared that to the book we're going to talk about that about next with a character named Beck who did a lot of really bad things. <laughs> he was mm-hmm. not a good guy. He had to go on a very long redemption arc. But the arc worked. He ended up being one of my favorite characters. It just really struck me that for a lot of the things they were criticizing Josie about, Beck did worse and yet he was not quite raked over the coals as much as Josie was. And Josie did do some mean things. She was not always like the sweetest person, but I feel like if that was me, I'd probably behave the same way. I would not be thrilled about forcing resident or like my choice being taken away from me, uh, like, like a creepy little worm in my chest telling me who I was going to marry and have children with. Yeah. I mean, she's going through a lot. There is something too, to be said about how the women are treated in this series, like yeah. their personalities versus how the men's personalities are yeah. treated. Because a lot of the times the women, obviously they've crash landed. There's a wide range of personalities. Mm-hmm. There's some who like, absolutely hate their situation they just can't move beyond it and we'll talk about this well we won't really but ariana is one of the characters and she has severe anxiety yes she really struggles and like Mm -hmm. having constant panic attacks and as someone with anxiety i can definitely relate to that i probably would be the same one i'd either be her josie like telling really bad jokes but then like crying in a corner that would probably be me and like Everybody hates her because yeah. she's crying all the time versus you have people or characters like Beck, who, again, we'll talk about next, who does bad things, who's not the brightest sunshine in the pack. <laughs> oh, it's OK. He'll get over it. And I'm like, why can't why can't you go help Ariana, who yeah. has like genuine issues? It's and very it's sexist. I, I know. I don't know if I want to go that far, but it is interesting to me how much more grace the reviewers give the men of the series than some of the women and i do wonder if it is a little bit sexist i wonder if it's a little bit we're reading a romance novel we know the men are safe we don't have to be so on guard or so concerned or so paranoid that we maybe would have to be in real life um we the reader know that hayden is safe but josie needs some time to get that message yeah i gave her a lot more latitude than I may I feel like other people did. And I was just very surprised by that. I was kind of taken aback when I was reading the reviews and seeing how many people were like, Josie's so mean. Josie's like really unfair. And to be fair, sometimes she was. Mm. Um, sometimes she did hurt Hayden's feelings. But I think it ended up being really important because they had to talk about Josie really expected a lot of I love you's and she expected more of a verbal communication. And it took her a minute to realize, oh, Hayden is showing me. They just had completely different communication styles. So I think some of that earlier kind of back and forth was really important to get to that point of being like, oh, Hayden shows me he loves me by doing this for me, as opposed to saying verbally, I love you, which he thinks is a little silly. And he might do just because he knows Josie really loves it. But otherwise, he's like, "Uh, no, I'm going to like make you tea. I'm going to carry you. I'm going to bring you food and fuel and you're not going to have to lift a finger. You can just sit there and I will do all the work. That's kind of Hayden's thing. It's not so much. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how the love languages, they needed a little bit of time to unfurl. Yeah. Very true. Shall we move on to uh, Beck and Ellie, which is one of our favorites. Barbarian's redemption. 
so sweet. This is book. What book number is this? It's later in the series. Beck is. It's book twelve. Yeah, Beck is a character throughout the series. He does make his presence known a lot. So his story doesn't really start in Barbarian's Redemption. If that's fair he to say. He actually did kidnap. Uh, oh, no, he no, that oh, wasn't he it. Sorry. He no, was no. a pleasure mate with Claire, one of the other women, Claire. Mm-hmm. But then she ended up resonating to someone else. Yeah. And it ended really badly between them. And he ended up being like really grumpy and not good. And then he does other things. Yeah, he does. He does fix himself. Okay. Because he does start off really not knowing how to be a good guy and really not knowing well, how to be with Claire. We need we need to talk about what happens at the start of his story though. Yeah. We really do. Yeah, with Claire. So no, with Ellie. Oh, okay. You want to start with Ellie? Okay. With Claire, I honestly don't even care. It's like whatever. Okay. They ended badly well, with a bad break. I mean, I liked it just because I love that he does start off really bad with her. It's not a good situation. And then he kind of grows and turns into her friend. And I feel like that's the part where he starts fixing himself and can even start to be with Ellie. But then he does stupid stuff. He does a lot of stupid stuff. He still does stupid things. But I think without that kind of start of shift, I think if Ellie had been with Mm -hmm. Beck in the beginning, it would have been really bad. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It would not have been a good situation. It was him growing up. Yeah, he needed to. So I think that's what helped with his redemption arc, of being like, mm-hmm. okay, he's not always the nicest guy. He's really, honestly, stupid in some ways. Just like emotionally dumb. And to be fair, I think he was a virgin. He'd had really no experience with women, especially human women. So it took him a minute, but he did get there. Okay, but let's let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> enough of talk about his backstory because you haven't even introduced the alley yet. Mm-hmm. So. Towards the end of the story, we've again run out of women for these unmated males, and more people are doing mental math and going, Ruby Dixon, what's going to happen? <laughs> and it ends up being that um, in a previous story, Misaka people have landed on the planet to escape various things, and Beck makes a deal with them as they leave that he has all these things from crash spa- crashed spaceships mm-hmm. i don't want to give away too many spoilers because we're already giving away a lot yeah um he trades with the masaka captains on the spaceship to have them buy slaves for him to bring him and unmated males back mates not the best move ever not the best moment but don't worry all is well that ends well so these masakas go out they buy uh, I think it was like five females. Something like that. Four yeah. or five. Mm-hmm. And one of them is Ellie, who is, she's been a slave, not a sex slave, just a slave since she was, I think like 13, they said. Yeah, really young. And she is severely traumatized, PTSD. Like her, she had a previous owner who would purposely give her bad food so that she could, would get sick because he thought it was funny. Yeah. It, it's not good. So when she lands on Not Hoth, she's like, I'm free. I don't have to worry about this anymore. This is beautiful. She gets so excited that she runs out into the freezing cold and her feet freeze to the spaceship mm-hmm. and like peel off. And it's, it's oh, my heart broke for her. Yeah, she so went through some bad things. And it ends up that I don't remember. Did he take her or how did they end up being together? I think she immediately starts resonating with him, but she's so scared. And I think with his 
experience with Claire and with some of the other things, I think he sees her as something, somebody to care for. Mm -hmm. So he is not actually a jerk the way he has been or a grump. Um, He gets very protective over her. He's very considerate. Like with the food situation. So she's afraid to eat and she won't eat because unless someone else eats it first Mm -hmm. because she's afraid again of being poisoned. So he learns that if he takes a bite out of what she's going to eat, she'll eat all of it. So he does that with every single thing that she eats and drinks. And it's so Mm -hmm. sweet. And even better yet is when it's his true redemption when Ellie demonstrates to back what being a slave is like. And she's like, you are my slave. You see that boot. You are nothing more than that boot. Go stand naked in the freezing cold. Mm-hmm. And he does it. And he is so physically horrified that he throws up in the snow. Yeah. Like he's physically ill when he realizes what he has done. And that is his redemption. Yeah. That helps a lot because he, up until that point, he really didn't understand what he did that was so bad and why everybody hates him and why everybody's so mad and horrified with him, especially the humans. He's very much like, I saved her. I mean, I did this to save all of us. I helped us out. I'm not going to apologize. So I think when he does come back and sincerely apologizes, it really was a beautiful moment. Because again, this is a society that is essentially at, caveman status Mm -hmm. it's early civilization it's they don't have war they don't have poverty they don't have slavery or rape or anything like that it's Mm -hmm. a very small tight-knit community that they're all there looking out for each other and in a later book someone even talks about it um where like a heroine becomes a stripper because she has nobody to take care of her he's like well where was your family where was your tribe to take care of you and she goes i had no one and he just couldn't comprehend not having anyone Mm -hmm. so it's just that really interesting discourse between this society versus the human society and ellie and her own background where she came from so it does take them a minute to get it and i kind of like that about the series how innocent they are Mm -hmm. they're very innocent (laughs) very innocent Like in the stripper one, she tries to explain what a stripper is. He's like, I go naked all the time. What's the matter with that? (laughs) It was so sweet. And it's sweet. And it's just, this is a really hard book. There's a lot of trigger warnings for this Mm -hmm. one. And it's pretty dark. I think this is maybe the darkest one in the series. It's not, it's a little dark, I think, just because of her past. It's a little dark in the beginning because Beck, is a little disappointed with her in the beginning he actually tackles her to force her to take the cootie and like he forces her into this life i mean so as much as we like him and as much as he fixes his act he's not quite there in the beginning (laughs) takes him a minute i mean it is nice though that nothing directly bad happens to the heroine in this one yeah it's all it's almost all previous stuff except for the tackling and the forced uh right cootie thing yeah, it's it's his redemption and it's her learning to live again. Yeah. So it's good. It's 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 a bright note mm-hmm. that it ends on. So definitely this is like I said this is one of mine and Jen's mutual favorites in the series and it's just so sweet. So perfect. It is nice, yeah. So moving on from there, do we have some honorable mentions <gasps> we would like to we talk about? We have so many honorable mentions. Oh my god. So we've obviously taken so long to talk about just these four books and we want to talk about more of them, but we don't have we time. Just want to... Yeah, we don't. So some of our favorites that we have. Um, so for instance, I love Barbarian's Touch, which I think is like book number six. 
book seven, sorry, book seven, because it's Lila and Rokan. Lila is one of the two stasis pods that lands when Josie and Hayden are fighting the Metlax or that they find. Um, and she is deaf. Um, she only knows sign language. She did have, she had cochlear implants on earth, but the aliens took it out. So she's deaf again. She doesn't hear. And Rokan is psychic. <laughs> It's just like really an funny. actual psychic. <laughs> it's just so funny. Oh, and it's acceptable because it's it's sci-fi and it's Ruby mm-hmm. Dixon. Alien psychic? Sure. No, sure. Not? Go for it. Okay. He has a sense about things. Yes. And he actually learns sign language, ASL, to be able to speak with her before they are able to, like, communicate. And I love it so much. It's so good. Oh, and talking about language, we didn't really talk about this, but... um. They're obviously aliens speak a different language from us on Earth, and especially America, where aliens only ever seem to land. Um, except we do have one French character, and later we have some like Hispanic characters. I do so love the French Spanish character, character, by the way, Marlene. Oh, uh, Marlene's so good. She's good. Um, but so they're able to talk because the Elder's Cave, the ancestral spaceship, if you will, has a computer on it with the ability to implant languages into your head. So all the aliens get human English and all the humans get Sakwi, um, the old Sak language implanted into their head. Later on, it turns into translation ships, um, but that's neither here nor there. For this one, they um, Lila teaches the computer American Sign Language and Rokan takes care of her during the entire thing. And then he learns, he gets implanted with sign language. It's really it's cute. Great. They're so, so cute. Good. They're really good. I really enjoyed Barbarian's Heart. So this is the one that Jackie is actually not a favorite of. But this is a really good amnesia fic where he gets hit in the head and loses his memories of his mate and his child. And I just really like the drama and the soap opera Enos of it. I think that's why I hate it. I also yeah. don't like Stacy. I don't mind Stacy. She cooks. I like cooking. She's not a good cook. What do you mean? All the humans she's love her food. On a- Fireplace. You do not put bone on fire. Bone what, burns. What they get a burn. Okay, they'll just make new bones. They don't have a lot of choices. They're on an ice planet. They can't go to Walmart. They obviously have to invent metal. Okay. Well, they'll get there. Maybe they give them a minute. <laughs> we're 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 past the wheel stage. Now we're on to metallurgy. Okay. Maybe. Listen, let's not go too far though, because I don't want this to turn into a capitalist society with a lot of problems. No, but they should at least. Well, they do get knives later on. So yeah, knives are good. Let's stop people. there. Let's just okay. stop there. I don't uh, want money. So, related to that, one of my favorites is Barbarians Taming, which is Maddie and Hassan. Maddie is actually Lila's sister, and it it kind of goes hand in hand with Stacy and Pashov, Jen's favorite story. So Maddie and Hassan go out and there's an earthquake the tribal caves are destroyed pashov is actually injured in this earthquake and this is when he gets amnesia but even though the tribal caves are destroyed it's perfectly fine because maddie and his son discover a whole new settlement that's got huts and running water <laughs> what a coincidence good timing <laughs> um and so this is the shift in the story from they no longer live in the tribal caves with Stacy and Pashov's story, they're moving into this new settlement, which they call Crotoan, which makes me giggle as a history nerd. I'm like, well, that's not good. Yeah, it's not probably the best. They have a very dark humor sometimes. 
They do. And I mean, Hot Dog <laughs> doesn't have good humor either because his idea of a joke is to grab Stacy's butt and go, no tail. <laughs> it's, listen, it's one of those inside jokes that you only get with the other person. Listen, how annoyed would you be if your guy kept coming up, or your person kept coming up to you and like grabbing your butt and going, <laughs> no tail. <laughs> no and, tail. No, it'd be funny if they had a tail. <sighs> okay. Because then I could go back and be like, oh, you're missing a finger. Because they only have three, they only have four fingers on their hand. It's definitely personal choice at that point. (laughs) But yeah. Oh, one of Jen and mine's other favorites, mutual favorites, is Barbarian's Beloved. Oh, it's so good! With Ariana and Zolaya. Zolaya, however, I like Zolaya. It sounds better. Um, Ariana is the character that we talked about with anxiety and like severe anxiety. And Zolaya is great because he helps her. He understands and helps her work through it. And again, it's one of those ones where he's so sweet to her and he's so understanding. Yeah. Sensing a theme. I'm so I like stories like that make me really happy. Ruby Dixon did not make this really dark and scary. And instead Zelaya could really just be with Ariana and like really understand and be nice to her and you know, look out for her. Mm-hmm. And it's just really great. And something I think in, like, all of these books that we talk about, obviously the sex is very important. It's also very hot. Oh, yeah. But it's not as central to the plot as you would think of in, say, like, a Kindle Smut book. This is much more about, like, personal relationships and relationship development. And in a lot of cases, it's moving through trauma, moving through Mm -hmm. personal experience, and trying to move forward with your life, which is something that I would say, though. I mean, I love that too, but I do think the sex can be important in certain stories, like Tiffany and, you know, so it depends on the, it does depend on the plot, I think, for how important the story is to the the sex. If the sex is like a huge part of the plot or if it's just like the cherry on top. Right. It also doesn't get too kinky. I mean, besides the whole like alien thing. I will. It does a little, little bit in the, in Barbarian's Treasure. Is that the tail one? Like a little bit. Yeah. No, 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 not the tail one. The foot one. Foot one? And sometimes it's just funny, oh, like yeah. with, yeah, the fo- and then with Kara in a show in um Ashoku where somebody convinces him that it's a courting gift to give the woman a dildo with oh, your penis. Yeah, that one was really funny. Josie did that. <laughs> yeah, it was played out. Was funny. That was really funny. We do have like good. Kara and Ayako. That's a really good one. I love them. And by the way, I love the. She's got these mini honeymoon series mm. of the the months after they're mating, and they're very good books. See, I don't like those. <laughs> Oh, I love them. Like, I really love George and, and Bechtel's because I really appreciated that Georgie needed a minute to go back and uh, bury the body of Dominique mm. and, like, just take a second to be like, oh, God, what if I, like, I'm the leader now? I'm responsible for all these people. Yeah. Um, I really loved that. They're good to, like, cover up plot holes and to, like, yeah. keep you in check because a lot of them are, like, honeymoon or second honeymoon or, like, there's a baby born or, like, they mm. introduce Christmas to the aliens, which is really cute yeah. because they can't get the idea of mistletoe. They call so not they call poison day. No poison day. <laughs> <laughs> because don't eat mistletoe, it's poisonous. And they tell that to the aliens and they're like, so you're giving me this poison, but I can't <laughs> eat it. No they poison day. Either, so Mal-fated. it takes them a minute. Yeah, it's cute. It's cute, and those things also become something like as you read on in the series, you're like, I know this is gonna happen. This is fine. Like everybody gets introduced to kissing or like the spur. I said it. (laughs) It's it's just something that you. It's its own trope within a trope, I guess. Yeah, I love it. It's fun. 
It's such a good book. It's such a good series. If we can't convince you at this point, I don't know what will. We we just have so much we want to talk about. Like, even more that we want to talk about. So, obviously, we're going to talk about Ice Home sometime down the line, which is the spinoff series from Ice Planet Barbarians. And we will also, obviously, be doing her other series at some point. So, we're going to do oh, the dragons! We're going to do a shifter month so Jen can talk about dragons. We're going to yeah. do a space month so I can talk about corsairs. And there's just yeah. so much stuff to talk about. I love it. I love it so much. All right, are we ready to give everybody their reward for making it through this hard episode? Sure, go. Hey, Jackie. Yes. A red ship and a blue ship crashed. The survivors were left marooned. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Get it? Because they crashed on the planet. Oh my god. <laughs> It took me a minute, but I got there, and then I rolled my eyes for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. But don't blue and red make purple. Listen, we'll get purple people eventually. I'm sure. Okay. I'm hedging my bets. It'll come. All right. Well, four arms. Yeah. Okay. That brings us to an end. I'm cutting us off, Jen. That's it. <laughs> I had so many more. But that brings us to an end, sadly, of our Ice Planet Barbarians discussion. <sighs> Jen, what are we reading next month? Oh, we are reading something really... Okay, I'm trying to be excited. <laughs> no, you know what? We are going to be positive about it, because we are finally di- diving into Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh-huh. We've been promising this forever, ever since we started the book club, ever since we started the podcast. We are finally going to look at the impact Fifty Shades has made on the romantic and the publishing world. I don't want to. And it's going to be great. Okay. We're going to be super positive about it. Okay. I actually have not read the book yet. Oh, really? Fun fact. Yeah, so this is going to be really interesting to see my reaction versus your reaction. Because I'm kind of like a virgin. I haven't seen the movies either. I've only listened to the soundtrack because I obviously needed to. Oh, I do love the soundtrack, I I will admit. I needed to listen to Beyonce's Crazy in Love remix like a hundred times in a row. Spell on You, that remix, like that version is beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love that version. But yeah. I do really love Taylor Swift and Zayn together. That was a good single. So at least they gave us good music. This is true. But so our next episode, our Fifty Shades of Grey Part 1, will be coming out on mm-hmm. February 5th. So put it in your calendars. Make sure. Follow us on Spotify, uh, at Raging Romantics. And as usual, if you have any suggestions, questions, concerns, nice things to say, email us at RagingRomantics at gmail.com. Yeah. Let us know okay. how great we are. Okay, we we need to stop now. I need to go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Let's hope that 2021 is a great year. Happy New Year. Rage on! There we go. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>